You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Good morning. Uh, Where we're going to end this morning is in Luke 15 and the passages that um, uh, Bianca just read for us. And so you can uh, turn there if you'd like. Uh, We'll be in the book of Proverbs and a lot of places this morning. But uh, as you turn there, uh, a few things. If you're new, welcome. My name is uh, Jamin. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching online or listening online, we're so thrilled uh, that you chose to do that. Today is a special day. Um, Three years ago today, we were commissioned Uh, by the Village Church to become Citizens Church. So we are turning three years old today. Happy birthday, Citizens Church. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, Tonight, we're going to celebrate that at our night of worship and and also do something that's really special. We're going to commission our first church plant, Mission House Church, tonight. So on the uh, three years of being commissioned, we're going to commission our first church, which is just God's grace and kindness. We're also going to have a member meeting after that at 6 o'clock, but don't worry, we'll get you home before kickoff because priorities. Um, I love you, church. I love being a part of what God's doing here. Happy birthday. My mom and dad got married in July of 1982. And when they got married, what was true is they had both only been Christians for a few years. Tell you about uh, each of their homes just a little bit. My dad was raised in Oklahoma City. Uh, His dad, my grandpa, was a plumber for over 50 years with the plumbers union there. Um, And what was true about his home was that the home, while there were really good things uh, about the home, uh, the spiritual climate of the home was uh, absent and or complicated. In fact, When my dad became a believer as a teenager, my uh, grandparents were involved in a cult and they would host meetings in their living room that they required my dad to attend. Um, My mom was born in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, Her family moved around a lot because of her dad, my grandpa's job. And uh, what was true about her home is that while there were uh, good things about her home, the spiritual climate was also either absent or complicated. My Uh, For most of my mom's childhood, um, my grandparents were uninvolved Catholics, and there was a lot of anger in the home and a lot of anxiety in the home, and it wasn't until my mom became a believer that that her parents started uh, seeking the Lord themselves. The Lord saved my mom at 15 years old because an aunt paid for her to go to a church camp in Wisconsin. Uh, The Lord saved my dad at 16 years old through the ministry of a little Baptist church down the street from his house. And shortly after that, my mom and dad met as brand new believers. They met at a concert because my dad was in a Christian rock band called Salt. And uh, I really wish there was YouTube around then because I'd love to see video evidence of that. But my mom went to the concert, get this, with her then boyfriend. And mom and dad talked after the show. And that night, actually, as my dad was watching her drive away, my dad prayed, God, I hope to marry a woman like that someday. The next night, my mom came back to the show without her boyfriend, and dad saw that as answered prayer and made his move. So that's how they started dating. Uh, They dated for a little bit, and uh, they lived in different states. They dated long distance. My dad was moving to Dallas to go to Bible college, and my grandpa told my mom, my mom's dad told her, uh, I will either pay for college or I'll pay for a wedding, but I will not pay for both. And mom chose marriage. And so... Uh, dad was 19, mom was 18. And at 19, or in, in their story is a 19-year-old plumber's son from Oklahoma 
And an 18-year-old young woman who traded college for marriage moved to Dallas and started a family. And both raised in homes where the spiritual climate was absent and there were hard things about the home. Uh, Both in many respects were first-generation Christians. Both were just a few years into following Jesus and both were committed to creating a home centered around Jesus, which meant for them creating a home that was different in a lot of ways than the one that they were raised in. And that's what I was born into. A few years into that, I was born, which is the climax of their story, obviously. I'm kidding. But all of that gives you just a little idea of of my family of origin. If I'm talking about my home life growing up, I was raised by mom and dad who started a family as first-generation Christians just a few years into their lives being radically changed by the love of Jesus. And what mom and dad did was they imperfectly but faithfully tried to create a home centered around Jesus. Now, here's what was true. They brought the good and the bad from each of their homes into our home, like we all do. Uh, The past, both good and bad, followed them to Dallas, came with them to Dallas. It wasn't some sort of painless, perfect childhood, but mom and dad were faithful, and Jesus was the hero of the home. And that's what I grew up in. That's what I was shaped by. What was your home like? growing up? What kind of home did you grow up in? What kind of home were you shaped by? We're at a turning point in our wisdom series. Almost all the weeks that we've been in wisdom so far, we've been laying a foundation to stand on. And if you're new, this will all be new. But if you've been here, hopefully this sounds familiar. We've said that wisdom is living in God's world, God's way. Wisdom has a posture and a pace and a person. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And we've said that, and we've said it again, And then we spent the last few weeks saying it again. And we're at a turning point because now in the series, we're ready to do that thing that I've been saying we're going to do. And that is look at all the topics that we find in the wisdom pages of God's word. It talks about marriage and talks about words and talks about emotions and it talks about sex and it talks about money and it talks about conflict and it holds those subjects up and then just infuses those subjects with wisdom. And that's what we'll spend the rest of our time in the wisdom series doing. And it'll take us several months to do that. But where we'll start is with a topic that's all over the book of Proverbs, and that's the topic of family, wisdom and family. And that means we'll touch on marriage and parenting, and connected to that, we'll talk singleness and friendships. But where we'll start is really important. It'll take us a few weeks. But if I could just get it out as a question, here's the question. Did you learn wisdom in your home growing up? If you think back on the home that shaped you, if you think about the home you grew up in, whatever makeup is true about your home life growing up, did you learn wisdom there? What we see in Proverbs is is the book of Proverbs gives us a picture of God's design for the home. And here's the design. Children raised in a wise home. Children raised by Proverbs parents. Uh, There are 10 speeches in the book of Proverbs. All of the speeches are from a father to a son. The phrase, my son, spoken by a father, is repeated 23 times in 31 chapters. A father speaks to his son and says, my son, learn wisdom. And it sounds like this in Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Dad teaches wisdom to his son. And it's not just dad. Mom is there. Proverbs 1, 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. In chapter 31, a mother speaks directly to a son. She pleads with her son to know wisdom. In chapter 31, verse 2, she says, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? Does that question sound familiar, moms? What are you doing, my son? 
you get proverbs about how children who listen to their parents bring joy to their parents, and children who reject their parents' wisdom bring sorrow. Proverbs 15, 20, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. According to Proverbs, nothing brings joy like godly children, especially nothing brings joy like godly grandchildren. Proverbs 17, 6, grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. This is God's design for the home. Children are loved and led by wise parents. And you get verses like this, Proverbs 4, 3 and 4. This is so precious. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. My mom and dad loved me, he's saying. He taught me and he said, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. If you were to just take these verses and take this theme in the book of Proverbs and and pack it into a few moments in a childhood, it's this. It's a mom who has her son's face in her hands and she says, I love you and I want you to know Jesus and I want you to walk in wisdom. It's a father who has his arms around his daughter and he says, I adore you. I want you to know Jesus and I want you to walk in wisdom. It's a home where wisdom is heralded. It's cherished. Children are loved and led by wise parents. That's God's design. Is that your story? Did you learn wisdom in your home growing up? Um, What we all have is we all have a family of origin. We all have a, a home life. We were all raised by someone in some sort of context. And I've shared a bit of mine. You could share a bit of yours. And I'm asking us this morning to look back on whatever that was and ask a question. Did we learn to live in God's world, God's way, in the way that we were raised? And I know, friends, I've thought, really, I've thought a lot about who's here, especially who I don't know is here, but I know who's here. And, and, and there's a lot of different ages and life stages here. Some of you are teenagers, and you're sitting in here with your parents, next to your parents, and I'm making things really awkward for you right now. <laughs> some of you are grandparents. Uh, some of you, uh, you've lost your parents. Some of you are parenting your parents in the last ages of their life. Some of you are grieving parents. And so I'm talking to teenagers, and I'm talking to grandparents, and I'm asking, did you learn wisdom in your home growing up? And that's going to fall different on diverse ages. I know I'm talking to a diverse group of stories. Some of you had parents who loved Jesus. Some of you at the very thought of home growing up want to run out of the room because it was filled with foolishness and pain. Some of you are right now in a really tenuous, really complicated place with your parents, even as an adult. And I'm asking, did you learn wisdom in your home? And I'm asking you to look back. And that's going to fall in your life different on different stories. Here's why it matters. Here's why, uh, here's why I think it's worth it to try to step into this together as a church. Because an important part of becoming wise and whole and like Jesus is looking back on the place where we were supposed to first learn wisdom, the home, and asking, what did I learn? How was I shaped? And and regardless of age or story, how am I impacted by that now? I have the gift of being friends with a, a handful of counselors that are either in our church or connected to our church. These are biblical counselors who, as a vocation, counsel people. And I asked four of them uh, this week, how much time do you spend talking about family of origin with your clients? And they did what all great counselors do. They asked me a bunch of questions about my question. (laughs) But the response was this, a lot, a lot of time. Depends on the story and the circumstance, but we go back 
to the childhood a lot because it's important. These are counselors who are trying to help people make sense of their stories and where they need to heal and where they need to repent. And an important part of that is looking back. As one friend said, who's a counselor, we remember so that we don't repeat. And if you've been in counseling, you've had some sort of experience like that. You go in to talk about your marriage and you end up talking about your mom. You go in to talk about your job and you end up talking about how your dad was a workaholic. Why? Because our lives and expectations and view of relationship are shaped first in our home by our parents or by whatever mix of people raised us. Now, hear me. We're responsible for us. We are. Not all of the wrong in us is about the home we grew up in, just like not all the good in us is about the home that we grew up in. But God designed our home. He empowered our home to have formative, wisdom-imparting power. And every home, that's the design, every home in some way is distorted by sin. And because our homes and the way that we were raised have such shaping influence over our lives, the wise do two things with respect to that. The wise look back with honesty and the wise move forward with hope. I wanna try to lead us in doing those two things with the rest of our time. Because the home, because how we grew up has such powerful shaping influence, it impacts in ways who we are now, regardless of how long we've been out of the home, The wise do two things. They look back with honesty and they move forward with hope. I want to start by looking back with honesty. If the question is what kind of home did you grow up in with respect to wisdom, let me offer three options. Did you grow up in a wise home? Did you grow up in a confused home? Or did you grow up in a foolish home? I don't think any of our stories are this clean, to be clear. I don't think we can neatly house our answer in just one. Likely you will look and say something like, well, sometimes wise, sometimes confused. Or maybe the home was, was one and then there was a major event or crisis or loss or something and it, and it changed all that. And I know we need space for that. These categories are not meant to capture everything there is to capture. I'm aware of that. But it is a conversation starter, I hope, as we look back with honesty. So I want to talk about each one. Did you grow up in a wise home? Let's describe the wise home. In the wise home, wisdom was imperfectly present. Wisdom's presence was felt in the home, and God is central to the home, and you heard God's voice in and through mom and dad's voice. And so you're taught in the home, at least you're invited in the home, to see the world through a biblical lens. Someone at some point said to you, my son, my daughter, God is good, Uh, fear the Lord, God's in charge of everything. All people are made in the image of God. Jesus is the great treasure of the world. He's worth everything you've got. Like if you think about what we've learned in wisdom so far, the fear of the Lord, wisdom and wounds, life is a gift, Jesus is wisdom, there's grace for fools. In the wise home, you first heard about all of those things from your parents, not your pastor. And as we go on to talk about all that Proverbs and the rest of the wisdom pages talk about, it's emotions and it's sex and it's conflict and it's work. And if you grew up in a wise home, you learned wisdom around those things in the home. And by wisdom, I mean this, friends. I mean someone opened a Bible, put it in front of you and said, here's what God says. This is God's way to do work. This is God's way to do words. This is God's way to do conflict. This is God's way. And you see a host of examples of this in the Bible. One of them is in 2 Timothy. It's a precious little verse. Paul writes to Timothy and says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced as in you also. Timothy grew up in a wise home. Timothy, your grandma Lois and your mom Eunice, they live in God's world, God's way, and they handed that down to you. 
it's not a guarantee that kids embrace wisdom. As much as we as parents, and I'm not talking to us as parents, I'm trying to talk to us as children, but as much as we as parents try to turn parenting into an equation, all we can do is lay a path and pray that our our children walk that path. And that's what happens in the wise home. The parents lay that path. Now, in the wise home, wisdom is present. It's imperfectly present. It means there is foolishness in the wise home because there are people in the wise home. And so the wise home is not the home that has it all together. It's imperfect. But in the wise home, please hear me, when foolishness happens in the home, they respond wisely. And the wise response is to go to Jesus. In the wise home, the gospel is believed. It's the primary message of the home. And it is especially and specifically applied in moments of foolishness in the home. That means when foolishness comes out of children in the wise home, they are not shamed. And that means when foolishness comes out of children in the wise home, they are not excused. They are invited to seek Jesus, invited to repent, to be forgiven, to grow in grace. That means when foolishness comes out of parents in the wise home, they do not apply different rules to them than they do to their kids. They don't hide in shame. They don't excuse. Wise parents who act foolishly also repent and believe the gospel and seek forgiveness and believe and grow in grace. So I grew up in a wise home. I did. It was a gift to me from God. And, and how, I've come back to look, how I've come to look back on my childhood is what I shared with you. Two first-generation Christians who brought the good and the bad from their homes into our home. But Jesus was the hero of the home. He was. We talked about him all the time. He was changing them, and they were open about that. And that carried through all my years. It doesn't mean that things were easy. The wise home is not the charmed life. It's the Christ-centered life. There was foolishness and there was pain in my home. There was a period in my childhood, there's a, there's a period in my childhood where my dad had to get out of ministry for three years because the home was in so much pain. And there was suffering and there was sin mixed together in such a degree that things had to change. It wasn't perfect. It's really messy. What made the wise home wise was not perfect parents, but parents who loved and trusted Jesus enough to not try and pretend to their kids that they didn't need him as well. And who modeled imperfectly, but modeled what it looks like to not simply share the gospel to their kids, but to believe it for themselves. I called my mom on on Monday um, and just said, hey mom, this Sunday I'm gonna talk about family at church and you know, I want to share a bit of our story. And I really, I called her because I had some questions. I couldn't remember how old she was when she became a Christian. And I couldn't remember the name of dad's Christian rock band, which I thought was really important to get right. Um, and so I explained where we were going, you know, Proverbs, this is the ideal for the family. And I want to invite our church to consider family of origin. And, you know, I, I told her, I was like, you know, our, our home wasn't perfect, but it, it was wise. And after I explained all that, um, she was really quiet. And she said, hey, I've been thinking about a conversation that I wonder if we need to have. And she starts to talk about our home and she goes back to one of the most painful parts of our story. And she says, you know, we've talked about that, but if there's more conversation we need to have around that, I wanna have it. And so we did. And it's not why I called, but she as a wise parent was ready in her wisdom to once again go to Jesus together. Even if that meant going back to parts of her life that were foolish. And I told her, I said, mom, you and dad were great parents, but the, 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 The best part of your greatness is us being able to look together with grace on the parts of our life that weren't great. 
That's what it means to be a wise parent. And it ends with her saying to me, share what you need to share. It doesn't end with her saying, you better not embarrass us. It ends with her saying, share what you need to share. Make much of Jesus. And then she does what she does every time we get off the phone. She says, can I pray for you? She prays for this moment. In the wise home, parents are imperfect. Parents are foolish. Wisdom is imperfectly present. But the home holds on together to a perfect savior. And that makes it wise because Jesus is perfectly wise. Did you grow up in that kind of home? Or did you grow up in a confused home? In the confused home, the relationship to wisdom is, do you want to guess? Confusing. In the wise home, wisdom is imperfectly present. In the confused home, both wisdom and foolishness are taught. Both wisdom and foolishness are embraced. We listen to music a lot in our home. Usually there is some song playing on some device throughout the day. And in fact, the girls have really been into a song lately. It's an older song called Party in the USA. And that's just been a blessing in our home. It has not been a blessing in our home. But occasionally, all three kids are listening to three different songs at the same time. Um, and so a song is playing on Alexa in Addie's room, or Asher is playing a song on the iPad, and Ayla's listening to a song on Google Home. And it's three different songs, different words, different messages, different sounds, different melodies, all jumbled together. And when that happens, it's terrible. It's just terrible. It, it all just makes noise, right? And that's what it's like growing up in a confused home. There are mixed melodies and mixed messages in the home. You hear wisdom, but around some things you hear folly, and it jumbles together, and it's confusing. And that could be for a number of reasons. Maybe that's because one parent was wise and one parent was foolish, and so you heard God's wisdom from mom but not from dad or vice versa. Or maybe it was some blended family, and so you heard wisdom from one side, but it, but it only came from one side and foolishness came from the other. What's really common, and maybe a really familiar story in a room like this, um, is that the home was a mix of godly wisdom around some things but foolishness around others. And what that meant was, and what that means now is that there are wise things you learned and foolish things that you have had to or need to unlearn. Like maybe you could say, I learned the wisdom of hard work in my home. My grandfather, my dad's dad, he's the hardest working man I ever knew. Um, he taught my dad the wisdom of hard work. He was a plumber for more than 50 years. This is actually his watch that he got when he hit 50 years plumbing. I wear it every Sunday. It's broken, it doesn't tell time, but it tells me that uh, the rollers are hard workers, and it's a good reminder to me. Uh, my dad tells a story of them working on a house. Uh, my grandpa grabs an electric line that was supposed to be shut off, but was actually filled with electricity. It launches him a few feet in the air. He lands on the concrete on his back. He lays there for a few minutes, gets up and works for eight more hours. I don't have that. That wasn't hereditary. I don't have that gear in me. I'm like, if there's too much pollen in the air, I don't know, we should stay inside. There was wisdom taught in the home to be resilient. And maybe you could say, yeah, I learned hard work in my home. But then you could ask, what did you learn around rest? Oh, well, we learned that rest is for the weak. You know, you're only valuable when you're being productive. And so when you're not being productive, you're nothing. Okay, that's foolish. And so that kind of home, you've got wisdom and you've got folly mixed together. And in the same home, you, you learn the wisdom of hard work and you learn the foolishness of never stopping. You know what that is? It's confusing. 
Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, has a chapter on family of origin. The chapter title is Going Back to Go Forward. And he just lists things he learned from his family of origin that were not from God. Here are a few of them. He learned that money is the best source of security. Avoid conflict at all cost. Explode in anger to make a point. Don't show vulnerability. Don't marry a person of a different race or culture. Your feelings are not important. You must achieve to be loved. You know what that is? All of that is so foolish. And here's what's confusing. Some of us learned those and other foolish ways of living in homes where wisdom was also present. So like what might be true is the same home that taught us that God is real and family is important and be a good person also taught us that some people are more valuable than others in what they said or didn't say. Or they taught us you have to make something of yourself, never show weakness, never talk about sex. The worst thing you could ever do is embarrass your family. That's all foolish. And it's confusing because it's hard to hear wisdom's song clearly when it's not the only thing playing in the home. The confused home, if this is your story, there's an important question that we need to ask, and it's this. Have I embraced ways of living that are my family's ways but are not God's ways? It's like in Exodus 32, the people are out. Remember, uh, the people are saved from Egypt, rescued from Egypt, rescued from slavery. God performs all these miracles. And then there's Passover and they parts the sea and they get into the wilderness in just a few chapters into the wilderness. They make a golden calf to try to worship that way. You know why? Because that's how they learned to worship in Egypt. They learned to worship statues while they were in Egypt. So the foolishness that they had learned in Egypt came out of their life, even when they were out of Egypt. They had gotten out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. And there's something like that that can happen with regard to our families. We're no longer in the home, but the foolish parts of the home are still in us. Some of us have a hard time being honest in our friendships because the home taught us that the way to get people to like you is by pretending to be doing better than you are. Be your best. Don't let anyone see your worst. Some of us are hurting in our marriages because we're doing marriage according to what we saw in mom and dad and not marriage according to what we see in Jesus. Some of us are having a hard time even with this sermon because we're saying it's important to look with wisdom on your past and you learned in your home to leave the past in the past. And where I can see, friends, my, one of the most important parts of all this is where I can see in my life my family's ways that are not God's ways, I need to repent. I need to seek Jesus and be changed. I need us to hear something that is true regardless of what type you, of home you belong to. Uh, and now's a good time to say it. The great, please hear me. The greatest challenge to growing in wisdom is not the homes we come from, but the hearts we have. I am responsible for what comes out of me. We look back with honesty, yes, to understand and to heal and to know how to specifically renounce and repent of foolishness that exists here. But that's not all. The, there is a lot out there right now on family of origin. A lot of helpful books, a lot of helpful resources, a lot of helpful podcasts that can help us you know, unpack how we were influenced and how we were affected in our homes. But please hear me, Christians, we do not look back simply for explanation, we look back for transformation. And if all I can do is look back and hear all that and get all that wisdom, and if all that means is all I can do is articulate what was wrong then to explain what was wrong now, looking back has only explained me, but it has not changed me, which means I've missed the point. Jesus wants to bring change. 
loves us where we are, heals the ways that we've been hurt, confronts the ways that foolishness is in our hearts, whether we learned it or whether we chose it, and invites us to become like him. One more thing about confused home that's really important. The wise home responds wisely to foolishness. Remember that? It was like six minutes ago. The wise home responds wisely to foolishness by believing the gospel together. The gospel is the solution for foolishness in the wise home. In the confused home, something else is offered as a solution. So maybe uh, foolishness is excused, maybe foolishness is met with graceless legalism in the home, but seldom, if ever, in confused home was there a path laid to Jesus. We all need Jesus, and we grow up needing Jesus, and God designed the hand of the parent to perfectly fit in the hand of the child so that the parent could lead the child by hand to the foot of the cross. They could lead the child by hand to Jesus for mercy and grace, and in the confused home, you were seldom, if ever, led there. And in the confused home, you never or seldom saw mom and dad go there themselves. So you seldom heard things like, I'm sorry, do you forgive me from whoever raised you? I need Jesus. You never saw repentance and reconciliation and grace modeled. Just to tease that out a bit, I wonder if you tried to have this conversation with mom and dad right now. And I know that lands different on different ages. But if you were to make the call and you were to say, hey, home was confusing, if that was true, home was confusing, there was wisdom, thank you. Um, But there was also foolishness. And and I'm just in a place in my life where I'm trying to process that. How would they respond? Would you go to Jesus together? Would they grab you by the hand and lead you to the cross? Would they believe the gospel with you? Or would they respond foolishly? And it would sound something like, what about all we did for you? We taught you how to work hard. We took you to church. You're so ungrateful. I wish you were more like your siblings. Or the response is such strong me-oriented emotion, you would feel like you needed to parent them again. And there were good things in the confused home. You learned wisdom, things that were worthy of honor, but you also learned foolishness and you wish those things could be talked about now without a foolish response, and that's confusing. Did you grow up in that kind of home? Then there's a foolish home. It's the, it's the most difficult kind of home. I'll be brief here and, and careful for a number of reasons. The foolish home is where wisdom is absent. Foolishness is taught and celebrated. If you think about the types of fools that we consider, the foolish home is the home where one type of fool is so prominent in the home that foolish, foolishness permeates from them and affects everyone. And this could be through foolish passivity. Someone is so absent in the home that foolishness fills the space where a parent was supposed to be. And so it's neglect. Or it's the scoffer. Scoffers hate God and hurt people. The Proverbs say, drive out a scoffer and abuse will cease. What that means is where the scoffer is, their abuse is also. And the home was abusive in some way. The foolish home is so affected by the foolishness of mom or dad or both that being raised in that home is all about learning to, at best, manage and, at worst, just try and survive. And there can be a foolish home that flaunts foolishness, doesn't care who knows, doesn't care who sees, or there can be a foolish home that tries to hide foolishness behind a facade, behind the facade of church attendance or clean-looking outer life uh, or a put-together front, but behind closed doors, scoffers set things ablaze. Controlled by anger is the home. Manipulation, there's verbal, spiritual, physical, or other kinds of abuse. Did you grow up in that home? I don't want to say more and and bring up tender places that are really hard to revisit in a place like this, but I will say this. 
If that's your story, no matter how old you are, I am so sorry. It wasn't your fault. You are not unlovable. You are not alone. Jesus sees and Jesus cares. And this church loves you. We love you. Would you look back with honesty? Which home was yours? Wise home, confused home, foolish home. It's not even close to all the categories we need. I understand this is all so messy and it's complicated. But however you look back with honesty, however you would piece it together, whatever kinds of questions you want to to tease out, we can't stop at looking back with honesty as Christians. We move forward with hope. Here's what that looks like. Um, Grief and some combination of gratitude and grace. Part of moving forward is grieving over what was true about your story that shouldn't have been true. Lament, especially the worst parts of the confused home and all of the foolish home. Goodness, if you were raised by a scoffer, carry grief to God. He sees, he cares. You don't have to pretend like things didn't hurt or that they were better than they were. And part of moving forward, friends, is some sort of combination of grace and gratitude. Gratitude for things that were done well in your home. If you lived in wise home and you're able to, tell your parents. I'm sure they'd love to hear that. Uh, If wisdom was present even partially in like a confused home, thank them for that. And then, friends, offer grace for parents who many of them were doing the best they could with where they were. Be charitable. They also have a story. They also have a family of origin. They were also shaped in ways and affected in ways that determined what kind of parent that they would be or influenced what kind of parent that they would be. Many of us would do well to remember this. Before our parents were our parents, they were someone's child. Make room for mercy in all this. All of that stands on this truth. If you missed everything else, please don't miss this. You, here's the truth. You have a family story that has an even greater hold on you than your family of origin. In my conversations with my counselor friends, I asked them what truths are most important to communicate in a message like this. And they answered in a lot of great ways, but all of them said the same thing over and over and over again. When you talk about it, please say this. So this is free counseling. They said, tell them you are affected by your past, but you are not determined by your past. You are affected by the family you grew up in. You're not determined by that. You are not the sum total of the wisdom or foolishness that you grew up with. You, Christian, have a family story that has an even greater hold on you than your family of origin. And our Savior tells that story in Luke 15. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Christian, no matter what kind of home no matter what kind of story you and I and all of us share this beautiful truth, we belong to a spiritual family in Jesus. We have in God a loving heavenly father. We have in Jesus a perfect loving brother. And we have in God's people a faithful loving family because we have all been saved by the kind of God who meets his children on the road. 
from all kinds of histories, with all kinds of sin and all kinds of wounds, and he embraces us in all of that. He kisses instead of condemns, and if we try to convince him to accept us, I will be your servant, I will work hard, I will earn your love. He says, you already have it. You can't be my servant, you're already my child. I don't want slaves to serve me, I want children who love me because I first loved them. And because your perfect brother Jesus died in your place, hurt like we have hurt, perfect in ways we could never be, we are welcomed into the family of God. And so Paul writes in Romans 8, we didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into a fear, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Christian, did you grow up in a wise home with wise parents? Praise God, God's even better. He's even truer, he's even wiser. Did you grow up in a confused home with confusing messages? God is perfect and pure and wise. There is no mixture of foolishness in him, only beauty and goodness and truth. Did you grow up in a foolish home? God loves you. He sees and hears and cares. He knows everything about you and his heart for you is nothing like the home that you had. You have and belong to a spiritual family with a beautiful story and that story has an even greater shaping and influencing and holding influence on you than your family of origin. You have and are held by a God who is a father a God who nurtures like a mother. He has invited you into his home because he loves you, he always will, and he wants to teach you wisdom. He says to you, my daughter, he says to you, my son, live in this wisdom as one who is cherished and delighted in and loved. Praise God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. I feel the limits, Lord. So much more to say. Uh, worried, God, that in some ways it just stirs up more questions than it offers answers. We need you. We need you, God. We need the limitless God to apply your gospel and your word and your truth precisely and specifically and gently to all of our hearts in the ways that we need. Uh, Lord, for the one who would uh, be over on the side of trying to dismiss the past, ignore it, avoid it, would you speak, Lord, would you confront in love that they might have eyes to see, God, that they might do the work of looking back with honesty that they might move forward with hope. Lord, for the one who is feeling just so uh, defeated and determined by the things in their past, the home they were raised in, I pray that you, God, would confront them in love. Lord, that you're not doing this, you don't invite this so that we would stop at explanation, but that through the power of your spirit and the goodness of the gospel, we might be transformed. Lord, for the one who just has the hardest time believing that you love them because love was so hard to find, pray, Lord, that you would fill their heart with the confidence that you, God, are the kind of God that meets us on the road just as we are, who loves in ways that are perfect and wise and unconditional and offers the love our hearts desperately need. May we receive it, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. Amen.